welcome to Tampa Tantrum episode the 16th. My name is Stephen Langton. My friend here is called Colin Harmon. <laughs> you seem to have your mouth full, Colin. I do. I do. I am. I do. You're right. Yeah. We've had, I don't know what you call it, cured beef of some yeah. sort. Yeah, cured beef. I'll show it to you, but it's delicious. I'm uh, so happy and you don't want to see it. Chili and coriander, and it's all very nice. So it's been a while. Um, we've been busy people, mm -hmm. and um, oh, cool! These these are cups with no handles. Yes, they are cups with no handles. Wow, the future is now. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we roll in Stafford. Do you know how many times I've got finger injuries from lifting up cups? Yeah, how many times? Well, not really, but you know okay. I could. So yes, it's been a while since we've done one of these. Uh, we've been thinking about doing it and talking about doing it, we've just not got rain to actually do it. So it's good to be back. Mm -hmm. Good to see you, mate. It's good to see you too. Uh, and the internet carried on without us as well. Did it? Yeah, no, no, it's kind of strange. Huh. Um, but we did more than James Hoffman did, so... <laughs> we still produce more content. <laughs> actually, no, he's not a content frenzy. Mm. So like four days back, four blog posts, and it's cool. But yeah, that was it. Okay, I'm just clip edged. Yes. <laughs> um, well, good to be good to be back again. And the ebook thing. Have you said about that? Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Good idea. Yeah. Good idea. I'd read. I'd read your copy. Yes. <laughs> um, so, I suppose we uh, probably should go to a few things. What's happened? There. You probably noticed that we're sitting in a different place where we used to do. Yeah. You want to talk me through that? Where are we? Uh, kind of, I've, I've bored people to death with it, I think. But yeah, this is the new Has Been Row Street. Um, we moved in here in September. It's officially open today. Yeah, officially open. Colin came and cut a ribbon, kissed some babies. The mayor came. And, uh, yeah, it was beautiful. It was an amazing moment. Yeah, um, three of the founding members of the sugar babies as well. Just <laughs> to, to make a trip. Um, but yes, so it, it, we've been in here uh, a couple of months, about like three months. Uh, my new roastery's been commissioned as we speak. I'm hoping it's actually going to fire up midway through this for prosperity. Yeah, not literally fire up. That would be well, they are gathered around the gas burner rather. They look concerned. They look very concerned. So, um, yeah, it's been, it, it was a tough time. Uh, we've moved about 20 metres. Actually, you know, like we get a lot of people that watch these things that, that run coffee shops or are setting up their own coffee shops. And I think. You've probably had a similar experience to me in that like we've opened up a new shop and you've opened up a new roastery. And you know when people come around and say, oh, you're going to do something new, get your budget and multiply it by three. And you go, yeah, yeah. Seriously, multiply it by three and something, I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, this, this got scary towards the end. It was like, how much? She was just writing checks. And... But we're here, we're in, and it's really cool. We've got a really nice training room, as you've seen, and mm. great roasting space, and, you know, great office space. And yeah, like Steve has a... Full WC spec versus stage and thing. It looks full bar one part. You had to bring that up, didn't you? Yeah. Apparently, that's on purpose, Dale tells me. Oh, yeah, so you messed up on purpose. Well, idea. no, because you can raise it up. Can you? Yeah. Oh. Put it on egg boxes. True that. Yeah, no, you can raise it up and use it as, as a competition spec. But for everyday use, having that one table here to hide a bit rubbish. I did see that, but it, it, for those of you who don't know, that the other two tables are. 0.9 meters high, and then the judge's table is, is a meter high. So I think it's because then it gets stools to sit underneath, so the judges mm. can sit there and people out to high. 
It's always good for the judges to have that kind of I'm higher than you kind of. Well, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's. But you don't want to be looking down at them either, though. Because otherwise, you'd be looking up at somebody like this. But I'm sure there is some psych psychological I'm higher than you, you kind of thing. You need the chance to do a giant joke. Like, I can go back and do it again. So, or else the judges will be standing here looking up at you like this. But that's how they look at you every time when you compete, Colin, because you're so tall. You're like a gentle giant. Thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Anybody who doesn't get the joke, go back to episode the second. Um, so, yeah, but it, it looks great and it's, it's a really cool. Yeah, no, it's been good. It's been good. I'm, I'm happy we're here. Um, I wasn't happy during the building part, it nearly broke me. Mm. Uh, and what, did, what made you decide to build a new roastery in Monte Carlo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I gave up on Monte Carlo, decided on Stafford because it is the centre of the universe. It is the Monte Carlo of the Midlands. Everything happens here. This is, this is it. This yeah. is the, co the coffee epicentre of the world. True, you're a coffee mogul. Um, you insult him. <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> Uh, but no, and so you've got kind of something new as well. Well, we've got something new, but you've got something new. So we opened TFB 2. <laughs> Episode the second. Episode the second, yeah. <laughs> um, which is, again, in Dublin, on the far side of the Lippens, we have Dublin 1, Dublin 2 now as well. So that's, um, that's been great. Uh, it's been really interesting as well. Like, yeah. um, well, starting a whole new thing from scratch and just moving it forward. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it kind of looked, I, I mean, sometimes it looked like it might not happen, you know, when we were talking about the leases stuff and all that. And I think, for me, it's the first time I've been involved in something where it was difficult to sort everything out. You know, like here, when I moved in here, the landlord was like, yeah, here's the keys, please come in, you know, because they were desperate to fill them. And I think retail space is, like, really different. Yeah, well, it's very, I'm not sure what it's like it's but, like, it's, when you have retail space that's, that has a, a license for doing kind of food and drink, a food and drink license. It's particularly sought after. Yeah. And I think uh, we all know that there are a lot of people that want to open their own restaurant and own cafe. So finding a retail space where you can open up a coffee shop is quite difficult. But we found one and uh, it's working well and we're. It's looking great. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty it's happy. Yeah. Thank I mean, you to the guys at Design Go to uh, who um, helped us design this. There's definitely a goat theme running through your life, isn't there? What's well, you kind of call everybody your goat. I call John Gordon the goat. Yeah. Well, Pete was a goat as well, wasn't he? Uh, well, he got given the name goat because John Gordon was busy. Was busy, essentially, yeah. He <laughs> couldn't be the goat, so we had to get a deputy goat here. Um, I think somebody wants you. Yeah, we're on camera. Oh. I'm going to go get some change. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, the, sh the shop is, is, is going well. We, uh, well, I'm not sure if we can six and put the photos in here, because that usually means it's see as it has to edit something in. But uh, if you go to 3 I'm sure there will be some photographs loaded there soon enough. Um, I was just telling them about your condition. And the oh, yeah, yeah. Powder's clearing so lovely though. Nice. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been all changed. Um, would you like to build another roster? Gosh, no, never. No. Never. I'm never moving, ever. This is it. This is. It. I, I know. You know when people move house and they say, I'm never moving house again, and they move house again. No, never. Yeah. I, I, can, I can honestly say, hand on heart, it's the hardest thing I have ever done. I think there was one time I phoned you, and I was, I was broken. I was kind of like, I just needed to talk to somebody who wasn't a builder and would... Be nice to me. And ask you for a check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wouldn't ask me. And would be nice to me. So uh, the only person I could phone was you. And uh, we talked for about half an hour. And at the end of it, I was just like, okay, I'm not quite so broken. I feel a bit better. But it's, 
but he was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And it sounds very dramatic. But I, I was talking to um, I was talking to James about his one, and they were saying him how hard it was for them too. And I think it, moving a business and not interrupting business. I mean, we we closed on the Friday evening, and we opened on the Tuesday morning because it was Bank Holiday weekend, and we were roasting in here on the Tuesday morning, and it was just like I mean Andy who. He may jump up on some steps at some point and start waving in the background like an idiot because he's like that. He, he gave up his okay. whole bank holiday weekend. He came back from his holiday. He was on leave and he came back on the Friday and worked. We, we did 17 hour days like for three days. Yeah. yeah. Gotta love him. Seriously. But I think I'm the same. I feel like a woman that's come out of labour or something. Mm. It's like never again. But you see, the problem is for me, I don't need to build another one because, you know, a roastery, you don't, you, you don't expand your business by having a second roastery. But coffee shops, you kind of do, don't you? You kind of like, that's, is it part of the growth? I don't know. I, know. I don't think, I think there is, there is, there's a few business models and one of the business models is based on scale. Like the more you do, the cheaper you can do it. Well, I kind of like, I mean, I, I was talking to somebody that knows a lot about the way it costs to work mm. the coffee shops in there, and they've probably got 600 shops that lose money. Mm. But they've got a hundred that make lots of money, and that's what brings everything all together. And that's the only way they can make money is by yeah. having so many shops that eventually you make money. Yeah. Um, I don't think I want to do that. Though. No, I kind of don't want you to do that. <laughs> that would be a bad thing. Well, like I think as well. Like I, I talked to Fred as well, who runs the Twisted Pepper about this, and so sometimes it's really. Okay, let's suppose, let's let's use an analogy. We have an analogy. Ah, okay, so analogy. You know you're you're, you're like you cut the grass like. Half hour, and you're like, oh, and the But you get to the tricky bit, and there's like, there's lots of tufts everywhere, and you're like, oh, and then, and then you look at the food garden, and there's loads of high grass, and you go, ah, yeah, it's easier to do that, and you can go make an impact on it. That's what it's kind of like. So I keep having to remind myself that it's not my job to rescue retail spaces, because I keep saying things to go, that would make a great coffee shop. And I'm like, no, there's still work to do at the places where we are. You know what I mean? And I don't think you can ever be in a place and go, this is the best you could possibly do here. No, gosh, you no. always just reinvent yourself. And I think, I'll look back on this in a few years' time, maybe this particular episode, and say, maybe you should just look what you have and just reinvent it to make it better. Because you can always make it better. It's, it, it's funny, I was having a conversation, and this is completely off topic, but, but you know, kind of, I was having a conversation about, like, the size of the way. Yeah. <laughs> this, the, you know, kind of what has been is now, and the kind of size and how much bigger you keep going. You know, I kind of I'm, I'm kind of happy. Yeah. I don't want to get smaller, because that would be a really bad thing. Do we want to get bigger? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Well, I don't think so. I, I want to enjoy. I want to be able to play, and I want to be able to enjoy more. And you know, I, I kind of, I think sometimes you have to decide what you are. Yeah, but like I think, like people talk about growing your business. I mean, I think growth is just definitely like it, it's very much a sense of kind of like running to stand still. That sometimes you have to work so so hard just to stay where you are. Mm. And no, you know what I mean. Like, it's like you're on a travel leader, you know. And it's like if you just stand still, you're going backwards, and that's it. And I think sometimes that, um, it's it's important to do that. Just to, there's always something else you can do. Just to there is, but I think it's also it's important to do the work that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like and stop being a but growth stop can be in different things. Yeah. Like growth isn't always about growing. Like the amount of like the amount of cups that you sell or the amount of people that you serve in a day. Like growth can be like uh, like the amount of the spend per person, yeah. or it can be the quality in the cup. Like so, I would say growth is like if, if our coffee next year is is like infinitely better cup by cup. That's growth, you know? Uh, empowering your, your staff, paying your staff more, yeah. like having better equipment, having a better offering, having a more seasonal offering, or things like that, you know? That's all growth. It doesn't have to be 
oh, we did, you know, 600 cups a day, we're going to do, do 600 But do you not feel as a pressure as a businessman? It's your, it's your nature to go through that. <laughs> Come on, oh yeah, let's keep going, you know, and, and, and I, I know, I've certainly felt that, and I think for the first time ever, this year, I've kind of felt very comfortable. Mm. Uh, comfortable in my skin of like, not, I don't need to prove, you know, if somebody asks me a question how much coffee I roast, I don't feel the need to kind of make a figure up or, you know, or think, oh, is that, is that a lot? Is that a not a lot? Mm. It's, it's a lot for me, mm. you know, and that's fine. And I'm, you know, and so business is strange. Business is tough. And so, yes, in summary, business is, is everything. It's, it's, <laughs> but you're right though, I think you are right. It's, 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 I don't know, it's, it's a lot more about setting your own targets. And I'm also going to go into the business selling cups with no handles. These are incredible, I love them. I actually really like these. Oh, I don't know where they've come from. Dale brought them and he put, he, things appear here and I start using them. I had a, I had a beautiful uh, teapot and cups. These cup might be the sticky tea cups. Are they? I think so. I like them. I think they're the future. I'm pro then. Pro <laughs> So we have an agenda. Shall we talk about agenda stuff? Yeah. So we kind of talked about a little bit of like what's been happening, but we didn't cover one aspect. What's that now? Now, uh, I don't know if you remember a conversation we had back in 2000. Back in the day. Oh, yeah. Remember like competition and like the reason we kind of got to know each other and the reason we became friends. And yeah. The reason we did Tampa Tantrum. Initially, really, I guess, mm -hmm. was competition, mm -hmm. and there was kind of a proclamation. Oh, was this when you said you weren't going to roast for any more competition? Was yeah. Why, yeah. why did you go back to that, Steve? After like about two months? No, it wasn't two months. I would like to. It was. It was actually January last year. It's twelve months ago. I decided I was going to do it again. I think you'd already committed to it before. Do you? Yeah. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think. I think Dale had talked me into it. Go on. But yeah. So anyway. You're competing again. You're out of retirement. You've picked up your tamper and gone forwards. Just <laughs> <laughs> it off the old tamper. We've got this like cellar in the house and I kind of called to all the cobwebs and was like, found this thing and was like, what is this? And it was like in stone and everybody else had tried to pull it out and they couldn't. Yes, exactly. Um, well, actually, yeah, we could get a tamper with Excalibur. <laughs> so, first of all, why? Uh, actually, I don't know. When I decided I would, uh, the first thing that I thought was like, oh yeah, what are you going to say when people say, why again? I went, oh yeah. And then since then, I've been trying to think of a clever answer, and I haven't. Guess that's that, then let's move on. <laughs> so, so no, I mean, how, how was it? I mean, how, did, did it, was it like getting back on a bike? kind of knew what to do or didn't feel foreign or I mean, I'm interested because you know for me like I just when I roast coffee for somebody who's competing I roast coffee all the time mm. so it's no different I, I feel differently but I don't necessarily do the process any differently so yeah. as a barista you make coffee all the time I think the, the process very changed like when, the, when I competed the first time it was okay it was definitely a lot more pressure on because I had to prove myself and I had to kind of like um, it kind of, it was difficult that year, like for the, the Irish competition, then the Worlds was kind of just a shot in the dark that was kind of happening. Like I think it was a stuff. tough year, it was a, that, that first year as well was quite tough. It was Operation steam. Don't Embarrass Yourself. Yes. Yeah. The second year was very much pressure on, and I think I felt a lot of pressure. And also because, probably I didn't admit it at the time, but it was a lot of, kind of, it was there, not to drive my business, but definitely to help drive my business. 
So that we're starting off, and it would be great if you did well in the diversity championships in Ireland and internationally, because it would help drive things up. Yeah, and they get some publicity out of it. That it did help. It, it, I, I, I mean, from my perspective, and it didn't help as much as I thought it would. And it that's interesting. And it didn't. It definitely didn't help as much as people think it would. Right. I, I said people kind of go, oh yeah, well, sorry, because you won that competition. That's fine. But ultimately, you still have to like you still have to look after people and. Well, make up the coffee and go for it's amazing morning. though because exactly the same happened this year with uh, Alejandro doing well in Bogota and everybody said to me, oh you used to do really well on the back. Actually it cost me a fortune. Yeah, it cost me a fortune and if I say, stayed at home and saved that money I'd probably be better off. Yeah. But So I don't think it does necessarily drive business and everybody thinks it does. Yeah. But I don't, most people don't care. Yeah. Like my mum went, oh where did that coffee making thing go? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And she's a normal punter that buys places, you know. So, yeah, there is there is a life outside especially coffee. But that, that was good then. But you but I mean just before you move on from that, I think London as well, there were, there was a lot of pressure at London. I don't think I don't look back to London fondly. No, I don't know I do. I know we talked about it so I do, I have very fond memories of it. I remember being sick with nerves to be honest, but that, that was it. It just felt like re- like in Atlanta. <laughs> I, I I have and I'm sure it's roast tinted views of Atlanta. But I remember that being a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, a lot of crazy fun, but fun. But London didn't feel the same. And whether that was because of where it was, I think it was an expectation as well as all Well, yeah. definitely pressure, but you know, like. I think it was also that there was an awful lot. Like, nobody really bothered us in Atlanta. But in London. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but in London I got so much hassle. Like, and we talked about this before, but it was, like, so bothered. And you got like bothered everywhere you went, and I, I don't know. It's just so bad, though. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, though. it can be di- the most frustrating thing is that you're trying to, you've got lots of stuff to do, and people are trying. Like you've met people that you used to talk to on Twitter, and they say, "Hey, how's it going?" And you've got so much to do, and you can't give them the time that you want to. And it's, it's actually very rude because people come up to me and say, "Good luck," and I'm not doing anything. I'm so roasted the coffee for weeks. Of course, but but no, do you know what I mean? It, it, it was weird. It was it was weird. Whereas Atlanta, nobody said good luck because nobody knew who you were. It's just yeah. fun. Well, I think as well, like it was it was difficult, like running the shop and trying to get things going and all. And not that things are like kind of signed sealed and delivered at the moment, but things are definitely more comfortable. And um, there's a team of thirteen people. 13 people at 3 No, 14 people from Monday. for that. 13 is very unlucky. Oh, wait, it's 13 from Monday, actually, yeah. Oh, no, 13 from Monday. No, 14 years. actually, including you. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Nice. So there's 14 people. Um, so there's definitely, like, kind of, there's, less, there's a team to tap into. Well, the thing now. is, like, you come today, and it's Friday today. I don't know when I'll get this up on the thing, but you come today and the shop looks after yourself. Mm, they have a great team. We have a great team. Like, and that's the sort of thing, and um, I always, like, I put this into context, this is how I, I did all my training on pieces of paper. I didn't do one run through. I didn't know what my copy was. Uh, I hadn't tasted my stick drink before the competition. And I made it the first time before that day. Now it was all planned like that, because the theme of the whole competition was trust, and being able to trust in certain aspects. So it makes sense, it wasn't that I was being disrespectful. Also, I got married two weeks before and went to my honeymoon and came back and competed the next day after a 16-hour flight. So, good preparation! Yeah, but at the same time, when I got there, my goal, my son, uh, like, I, like, I know, I've said this a few times to people and they kind of go, ah, yeah, but you know, I'm like, no, seriously, my, my sole intention was to deliver my message. 
Okay, so let me took a question at you based on that. Do we spend, as an industry, too much time and too much effort and too much fretting about getting a performance together yeah. and... Yeah, they put it this way, okay. You well, know, you know, we talk about like the crockery and the tablecloths yeah, yeah, yeah. and the spoons. Okay. And, like, does it matter if the coffee is really tasty and you do a good performance? That's, that's what it is. And I think, like, you'll always see people, like, you never... Okay, people always talk about what they're going to talk about, okay? But you never see someone come down and go, you know what, after I made my points, I don't think... I think it was wrong, you know? I don't think the point I was trying to make was true, you know? What happens is that people come down and go, oh yeah, my cream gum didn't work, or my, my you know, my, I dropped my sauces and stuff. It's all the, also the other, all that stuff gets in the way. So I kind of stripped all that back and just focused on what was important. That was just making tasty coffee and, and talking to people. Yeah. And I think, like as well in practice, in terms of practice, I've always like, if you think of it this way, you go to work, okay, get up in the morning, seven o'clock, you work for eight, work until five o'clock, break down, out of the pit six, go get something to eat, come back at seven o'clock, right, and you have to train. Okay, 15 minute setup if you're lucky, 15 minutes run through, 15 minute clean up, 15 minute debrief. That's an hour for one run through. Okay, and then the thing is that I found, right, I spent hours and hours training, okay, but if I do a run through and I say something that's wrong or I mess up my lines or it doesn't sound right, okay, like, and someone, like if, if you have someone sitting there listening to you, they go, that doesn't sound right, they go, oh, well, how will you change this, this, and this? And you go, oh, okay, and then you start again. You're not going to get it right, because you've just, someone just said change it to this. We, we've been doing some run-throughs here, and, and basically, like, videoing it, so you don't stop it, and then you watch it after, then you critique it back, but then this is an awful lot of time you waste as well, watching the video back. Like and an hour per run-through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, like the thing is, when I'm working, that's when they learn how to steam. So the yeah. whole thing about putting an espresso machine in your bedroom at home is a complete waste of time? No, it's a marketing gimmick. <laughs> uh, looking back, no, well, no, that's no, an I think the thing is but actually just practicing bit by bit is nothing. But like, I know well, you were making drinks every day. But I, I know what competition is about. I know the stakes. I know how to make cappuccinos. I know how to talk to I know how to. I've made every mistake in the book. Don't. I'm not saying that I've nailed all these things. I just. I know where I've messed up. And the bits that you need to focus on are how much time it takes. To, like you can write do all these things kind of on pieces of paper. And that's what I did. And I've never felt more comfortable or happy with performance ever. Now, whether the judges said that way or not is another thing. I may talk sick, so we'd see. But um, I don't know. I enjoyed it a lot. And I think as well, the other, one of the other reasons, which is kind of an odd reason, is because the new table setup is really nice. I saw that. I was still him in the hall, and I saw the new table setup. Went, oh, I'm in. That's it. Well, you know, I sort of didn't like it. And then we built those out there, obviously with the wrong size. That's the point. Nice the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Um, I've grown you should put one size the right, one size the right size, the other side, yeah. But I've grown to love it, I, and I really love it, and I think it is going to be so much better for competition. I, and you know the bit where you stand in front of the judges? Mm. It feels like a stage. Yeah. Like, I've stood there and I've done a run through and kind of... Well, you've done a run through? I did a run through, yeah, on my own. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Was it? <laughs> yeah. What did you get? I, I bombed. Did you? Didn't, didn't even make finals. Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it felt, it felt like a stage. It felt yeah. like and a it's, it's like performance work. area. Making coffee, talking to people. Yeah. I think that's, about, that's the beauty of what you're doing now though, because in the shop, when you go in there, it's a bit like performance, because you don't like work bar. 
anymore, do you? Like, you, know, you are, do, no, you are, but you're not, like, when you go into a bit more of an event now, you're working every day. Say again? Like, every, you're not working by every single day, are you? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Sorry. No, but you're right, though, for, like, for about four months it wasn't, yeah. because, um, should I go into the service of relevance, or? Yeah, we might as well. I'm going to okay. Um, so, I, I didn't want the business to be based on me and what I did because truth be told, all the guys in the shop, like whether it's Monica, Pete, Lorraine, Jared, Jordan, whoever was there, is just as good because we all have the same standards and procedures. You mean you haven't got magic barista habits? No such thing as a talented person, but not in that sense. Like you don't have a gift, you don't simply walk up to you know, have, you know if someone comes up to do some training, it's like, God, I think he's got the gift, you know? <laughs> it's like you teach someone and they learn it and they're either good at it because they care and they, you know, have an affinity with it. That's it, you know? So why am I rubbish? Well, it ultimately comes down, it's like Alan, ultimately it comes down to, do they care and do they work hard? <laughs> I think he's insulted me. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, that's what it is, like, you know? And I needed the business to run as a business. So that means that I can jump out or Pete can jump out or Jen can jump out or the business keeps going. I'm, I'm very envious of that. I'm very envious of that. It was, it was, it was very sore. I used to get emails from people saying, you know, oh, look, I want to come in. I'd like to see you there more often. I think it's important. And it was really difficult to not say, oh, you know. And, and also, we have to build with a new shop and all that kind of stuff. So that took me away. But it's getting to the stage now where the shop ones, if customers come in and they'll be like, good morning, how are you? And they'll be like, oh, hey. Oh, hi, Monica. And they don't have a clue who I am, don't want to know me. I'm like, fine. It kind of goes back to that. It's not that important. To it's, win. it's actually important to do a good job and sell a good product and people to love it much more than you've won stuff. Completely. Completely. And I think like it's it's really refreshing to that's the tamper tantrum top tip. You know, I T T T T Like it's we like it's it the competitions are nice, don't get me wrong. But there's so much more to it than that, and I think I, I've I've struggled with that for a long time because competition. I've had competition such a focus, like such a focus, and particularly us working together, okay, this real focus. And it was funny because all of a sudden it just clicked into place a few months back, and then it, like, it was like, this is fun. It's a great chance to meet up with my mates. It's a great chance to catch up with people I haven't seen for a long time. It's a hobby, but it it's a definite hobby, and putting it through the business is almost wrong because I do it because it's fun mm-hmm. not because it makes me any money or it's good for our business or it certainly isn't harmful for it at all oh, it's definitely good yeah it's definitely good but it's overrated how good it is yeah it's kind of like putting a sport on the back people, of a sports car you know it'll definitely help the car well people have told me this myself. people told me this in the past and I disbelieve them as well yeah. and I apologize for being the, but the way I look at it now is it's a hobby yeah, it's fun. And I think that could be a little, uh, a little bit more risky with performances and to push the boat a little bit more because it doesn't really matter if I don't win, it's fine. I'd like to, obviously, and I'm but fiercely competitive, and if I don't win, I'll have a cranky fit and all that, but life goes on. I miss your cranky fits. They're amazing. I do get cranky. We should just get cranky. Oh, if you record it, be good. Like the, like the time where the shoes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the shoes was a, was a very special moment in our relationship. You usually get cranky when it's my fault as well. Yeah. I, and Colin forgot his shoes, I was incredibly ill and feeling like I was going to die. It was my fault he hadn't brought his shoes and I got it full barrel. Yeah, I forgot my shoes 10 minutes before going on. That was funny. But anyway, we won't talk about that. No, no, we'll sure about that. But yeah, so back in competition. So February 1st, Tarsberg Championships and uh, myself, Megumi from Brewbar Cafe, Rob Smith from um, 
Revival. Revival, ik zie de Phoenix. Benny van Humble Bing. Lorraine van 303. And uh, Julia from Julia. Yes. So, we should say it, the, the Java Hub did a really good job of hosting. Really good. Excellent. I've never been to that place, I'd really like to. I'll bring it. Yeah? Bring you it. can make that happen. I can make that happen. I know Mr. David Kiernan himself. I've met David before. Yeah, he's a good guy. Guy, laugh and laugh. Awesome. It is actually like a, it's a very impressive roastery. It's like uh, it's Europe's or the world's only carbon neutral roastery. Yeah. And uh, I've got some trees out the back. Mine myself. Uh, it's impressive. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a nice building. Yeah, I'll bring it to you. We, we, we love burning electricity here. We're like yeah. the opposite of the carbon neutral. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> it's not a good effort, is it? No, not at all. I yeah. love my plans. competition back on. So, 1st of February, we shall be. Trying our very best to do another time tantrum there as well. Oh, we should actually, yeah. yeah. yeah and, and what we want to try and do is get back into the routine of doing these because we like it. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, we apologise. Um, so, yes, so competition. So, yes, we've done new table setup. We've done all this stuff. Yes, um, yes, time tantrum live kind of going forward. So, hello. Whoever's, if you're watching this, write into your comments what you think is going to happen. Then we can then we'll send a prize to whoever predicts it. No, a few people know. Really? Yeah. Okay, we well, can disqualify them. Disqualify them. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a really exciting year. Yes. And, and we put it in there uh, just to kind of tease you, really, but um, we can't announce it just yet. Suffice to say that. You, you reckon we will be by February, won't we? Won't. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about it in February for sure. Uh, well, we are doing something with Tamper Tension Live that will bring us to the next level. Excited. Exciting. I'm very excited. So then we were going to talk about some stuff that had been happening in the coffee world, because that's what we were meant to do and not just talk about ourselves and how great we are we've been a building. So back to me. And <laughs> so um, stuff that happened was the, like the bladder thing. With Ethiopian, well, I, I heard bladder gate. I, I hate when they do that. When they yeah. just think Let's put some gate, gate on the gate. On the yeah, this is bladder gate. But um, I, it was weird because I was in Ethiopia when the memo got sent to the exporters. On the day we were in the exporters' office, and he was translating it to the boss because the boss was right. English speaking. And this was a bit, and I just went, "That's wrong." That's. So for those who don't know, Ethiopian government decided in their infinite wisdom that. Um, it was not going to be legal to ship bags in jute. Um, you could only put them in these big plastic bladders, which you get, I think it's four to a container, to a full 40 foot container. So I thought uh, like 20 foot would be two bladders, uh, 40 foot, four bladders. Wow. And um, it's basically mixing all the coffees mixing together. Mixing all the coffees together to really, really properly move away from any traceability, provenance history, whatever. Now, so, can I interrupt you there? Did they do this from from a starting point of we want to improve quality? No, not at all. What was it from? <laughs> it's interesting because it depends who you talk to and I learned so much about ECX while I was out there. And really where it all gets traced back to was initially in 2007, 2008, Starbucks tried to trademark the name Yergachev, Sadamo, Hurrah, and all of these things. Because that's what Starbucks do, they try and trademark things. Oh. So they tried to trademark it, Ethiopia got very upset, and quite rightly so, 
And actually, I don't know how legal it is to... Like, can I trademark the word Stafford to do with coffee? Did you? But anyway, aside from that, Ethiopia hit back and Oxfam got involved and they took a big page shade. Are Oxfam roasting as well then? Apparently. <laughs> Saying that it was really wrong that Starbucks were doing this. Because Starbucks are a really easy target to hit. And, um, <laughs> so then what happened was Ethiopian government put a company called Light Years IP mm-hmm. uh, into action to try and trademark the names for Ethiopia. Of course, nobody is going to stand against Ethiopia trademarking those names. Yeah. So that happened. But you did that in Europe as well, because you have, you have the, the, ori- uh, the origin-specific uh, certificates. You know, so if you have, if you have a, like Parma ham, it has to be from Parma, and it has to have that stamp. I think it's a bit different with Jurgicek, though. And I don't know, it feels different well, anyway. Like champagne has to be from Champagne. But you don't have to license it. So you don't have to like ask the champagne government, like the, the people who govern champagne, if you can call it champagne. If it's you from do. champagne, it's from champagne. No, yeah, you, you have to get this certification from those people. You don't have to get like. No, but it's not you have to pay for it. You just have to prove it, and then you have to get this. Right. But what basically by trademarking the way they trademarked it, you could ask for a fee. They weren't asking for a fee, but they could ask so for it, a fee at a later date. So this is where it all started to change. I don't see any problem that Ethiopia protecting that, because if they don't do it, somebody else will try to do it. They try to put stipulations in. Say, for instance, I created a blend for you. Mm-hmm. I have to put on the bag Ethiopian yogurt check. Oh, okay, see, that's different. And it's stipulations of, like, I don't have to do that with anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And now I do do that, so it's really not a problem. It's more it's the fact that it's hard that you would, be, you would want to do that, because the, the, yeah. the trademark is, is protected. Whereas, there's a value in that. Yeah. And I think someday there will be a value. I think Yurgachev eventually will become as, as known as... You say, you say that it is, and I think it is in a certain sector. I think there's... In a little sliver of what we live in. Well, but no, but I think, no, I mean, this sliver we live in... there? <laughs> this sliver that we live in, though, we want more. I want more information, not less. So I don't want it to be generic Yurgachev. I want it to be from... Yurgachev from this colour. Okay, but we'll do, buy, what, what do you buy wines from Burgundy? Mm-hmm. Do you, would you buy a wine if it just just said Burgundy? It's not, it's not buying it because of that. I'm buying it because I may want to try and repeat that next year. So next year I might want to buy from that car again because they did a really good job and I can't. Yeah, but what I think it would be a good thing if you could go to like like to um, Shikiso and, and you yeah, you could buy a car from Shikiso and then say that... I didn't go to Shikiso actually. And then you say Shikiso, that's great, and say, and then there will be a Yurgachev stamp on that. Yeah, no, I'll be cool with that. And I, and, and I think, but the problem is, what the ECX has wanted to do, the ECX doesn't care about a specialty coffee, no. at all. He wants to sell to big buyers and nobody else. And, and you understand that, it's a big market compared to a very small market. But the only market that's really growing is the quality specialty market. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing by excluding and the specialty market tends to follow the specialty so, what, what I learned about ECX while I was there, uh, I, I have done an article that I'm going to be, it's a fresh couple of aspects to do an article on. Very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a lot here. But, coffee gets, I'm a coffee producer. Yeah. I'm, normally what happens is I don't have enough to sell to anybody, so I'll sell to a, an agrami, or an agrami, I can't remember the exact pronunciation, but they are a coffee buyer. Mm-hmm. They will buy coffee and they will take it to the mill and have it processed at the mill. Processed, 
bagged, they will then take it to the ECX warehouse. Mm -hmm. ECX will put it in the warehouse mm -hmm. and they will cook it. Mm -hmm. And dependent on its quality, we'll grade it, uh, grade one, grade two, grade three for wash, to grade four or grade five for naturals. Okay. There's some variations of that, but I'm not going to go into the complex parts of that. Grade one, you are allowed to have, it's a Q grade and it scores 90 or above. Okay. So they are allowed to add a little bit more provenance to it. So it can be, this is where shikizus and gujis and all of these. So are. only washed companies can be grade one? Yes. But a grade four natural can be as good as a grade one. But you, you can check. This is grade four and grade five are normally hurrahs. Grade you can have a grade one natural from Yurgachev. Really? It's very confusing. Don't confuse it anymore. <laughs> Wait, can, can you have a grade four natural with provenance? No. Well, yes and no. There is a little bit more provenance in hurrah because you can. You, there's three regions in hurrah, and they will get an A, B, or C grading. Longberry. Longberry's uh, oh, a region? Yes. It was a shock to me. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, and I forget the other two because I'm rubbish. Cappuccino? You really could, should have prepped me. Longberry, Cappuccino, and Dark Roast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were really obvious as well, and, and I can't remember. That's going to bug me now. But they've basically got three regions, and you can track them to that. Um, but it, it's all very, it, it's very complex. And you, you can't buy a washed hurrah. I seem to remember that. I've made that up. It was such an intense learning week. It was like immense. But basically, what, what they, they added the provenance. Now, I love it at this stage. So it goes, the seller sells it to a buyer at the ECX. So it's like a trading floor. It's like going to Wall Street, but scaling their mini version. They have those big phones. <laughs> but they go on the trading floor and somebody's, like if you shake hands, the deal's done. You can't back out when you've shook hands. So they're trying to grab each other's hands. It's really funny. It's like, I've seen them doing that trade floor before. They were yeah. using papers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, but basically, they agree a price on the floor compared to what everything's been selling for, but it can only be 10 cents above. Or, uh, no, I've got that wrong. Horse markets in Ireland, they do that as well. The, 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 <laughs> the, basically, it can only be so much above, 10% above and 10% below of the previous day's trading. That's the highest or lowest you can go. But then the market will go down. We don't have to sell on that day. But if you're a buyer, yeah, and I'm a seller, mm -hmm. and we shake hands, we go straight up to the desk, the desk know how much money I, who's the buyer? I'm the buyer. I'm going to be the buyer. The desk know how much money I've got, and if I've got enough money to do the deal, the deal gets concluded straight away, the money goes straight into your account, there and then, the ECX take it out and put it into your account, wow. yeah, and it gets straight to the, the grower. So it's really good deal for the grower. So what used to happen? Do you know how long it takes then from I'm a farmer? There you go, there's my coffee too. 48 hours, because you should have money wow. in their account. They can have. It can take longer. It's so basically, if, if they don't agree to sell the coffee or agree the deal, then it can carry on and carry on for 30 days. After 30 days, I don't know whether you have to take it away or you have to resubmit or it's all like you, you have to do the deal within 30 days from the warehouse. But as soon as that deal's done, 48 hours, the money can be in the grower's account. And if I've got any of these details wrong, kind of put in the comments or whatever, but I, I'm 99% sure on this stuff, and I will put a little disclaimer of 1%, because it's, it's really complicated. Oh. So up until that stage, I understand why they removed provenance. Oh, the other interesting fact. If, you, if I said, give a Sadamo to the ECX, they cook it, mm. and they say it tastes like a yoga chef, it will get sold to you. <laughs> that was an interesting. Call a spade a spade. Yeah, yeah. 
So up until that stage, I understand why the provenance is taken away. It stops any horseplay. Stops no, everything. That actually, do you ever like because there's been occasions where we've had coffees like really is this really good? Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. It, it is really really good, right? It's, it, it, up until that stage, the producer gets their money easier. The government take their taxes, mm -hmm. and taxes are really important, particularly for a developing nation like Ethiopia. There was a lot of dodgy dealings going on, and this cuts a lot of that stuff out. So it's good for that, mm -hmm. but. At that point, the provenance being taken away is a positive thing because it stops that happening. But if I've bought the coffee, I should be able to then know the provenance. There is no, that information is there and they won't give it. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, if I'm a buyer, I've never tasted your coffee. There is no opportunity for me to taste that coffee. Okay. I, I have to trust the Q graders at the ECX on the quality of it and that's it. Wow. Now the other interesting thing I found out, they'll buy that coffee, I'm an exporter, I'll take it to my mill and I'll sort it. So I'll sort through what's good, what's bad, hand sorting, colour sorting, all the rest of it. And then that coffee can be resold to the ECX as an exporter as a better grade or a poorer grade of coffee. Now the better grade doesn't get resold back, yeah. but the poorer grade gets sold back into the market so people can buy it. And in Ethiopia, it is illegal to buy any coffee that is grade one, two, three, or four, or five. It has to be forest grade. So in Ethiopia, they can only buy the rubbishy, nasty stuff that's been sorted off. So they, they export all the good stuff? Yes. By law? By law. Same thing, because they always talk about in Ireland how the, the best seafood is sold to the France and Spain, Japan, and all these places. And we all get all the. That's, that's just because they pay higher prices. Yeah, but it's not illegal to buy the good stuff. No, you no, can no. buy it. You can't buy it, it's just hard to get it. Yeah. But in Ethiopia, it's, you cannot buy good coffee. So. By punishment of death. Well, you can't buy your own good coffee and you can't buy externally any good coffee. You have to buy Ethiopian, not so good stuff. So I was not surprised why the coffee was really bad in Ethiopia. Um, oh. But it, it's super common. So going back to the point of this bladder thing, for me, it's another. It's almost like they want specialty to go away. They don't want us to be involved. Well, and I don't feel love. I want to feel love. Well, I guess they maybe they're not sure that that's what about us. They just kind of they want to sell a lot of coffee. I think if they want to sell a lot of coffee, I understand that. Yeah, but by putting it in bladders, like most big roasters aren't set up to buy coffee in bladders. Like you couldn't go. But they're trying to force. They, they're trying to force you to say, well, instead of buying a third container, you have to buy. Half container because you must buy this whole bladder. But but that's fine. Most most of those bigger roasters do, but they still can't process the bladders you're doing. The only ones who can do that are the huge roasters, the conglomerates. It's just like a big plastic bag. I know. Like it's, to me, it's exciting. I've got to see one of the blowers. So basically, what they do, they blow it in. Mm. So they, they have holes in the container that they put the big tube through, and all the coffee gets blown into the bladder in the container with it shut. Oh wow! Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, so Ethiopia for me. What was the Ethiopia like? It was kind of like the pilgrimage you have to do as a roaster. You have to go, um, and I felt really kind of like I know I was excited to be there, but because I wasn't going to meet anybody whose coffee I was buying, or because you don't know, you know, it's really. So, oh, I mean, there are some other ways around getting provenance, by the way, as well. If you're a co-op, you can sell directly without going through the ECX. Uh, and you can put all the provenance on it you like as a co-op. Most co-ops don't want 
so you have to find right. them. Well, because there's no point for them. You know, they want to sell lots of coffee all mixed together from the co-op. Mm. You know, it's a lot harder as a co-op than, than a, a larger producer. Yeah. Um, it was really sad as well walking around some of the old processing stations. Like we went to this one in Yergachev, which was owned by La Placo, okay. which uh, where it is a big exporter, and they don't use the warehouse anymore because they're not allowed to uh, sell directly. They have to sell it through the ECX, so there's no point in doing it. And there were lots of these places that were like just empty buildings because, you know. Mm. And, and the co-ops have thrived in this, you know, this uh, climate that they've been put in. Uh, they, the co-ops are doing very well. And it's, it's funny, it, it's tied in at a time where coffee prices have gone up. So everybody views it as a very big positive thing because the ECX is bringing in more money because coffee producers are getting more money and everybody's getting rewarded better. But I don't know whether that would have happened anyway, mm. with the coffee prices going yeah. as they are uh, on the commodity market and whatever. And particularly as that's they're the people they're selling to. But it's so sad because you get you got to see things there. That, I mean, that was the other thing that shocked me in Ethiopia is the processing is so bad. <laughs> well, you go to you go to El Salvador and the bright red cherries, all very well picked. You went there and it was like, whoa, <laughs> that's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Like greens and yellows and orange and red and black and um, and this whole 36 hour processing thing or 48 hour fermentation times I wonder how much of that is to fix some of the other stuff that goes on it, I wasn't overly impressed with the quality of the picking there yeah. but we all know there's amazing cups from Ethiopia some of the most amazing cups because of you know the heirloom varietals they have the and, 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 the, and the processing method and I think this processing thing I, I, it, it gave me more questions in my head about, okay, so they're doing this. What if Central America started to do some of this other stuff that Ethiopia's doing processing-wise? Because the temperatures aren't that wildly different. Yes, yeah. it gets cooler at night, but it wasn't wildly different. So you would like to see Central America do stuff, do processing like... Not, not kind of carte blanche, but kind of like in a smaller, more experimental way, mm -hmm. to see what it did. And, and some, you know, some producers have started to do that, like Aida, I know did some stuff at Kilimanjaro, uh, I know Ernesto at La Luzion was doing some work with that too. Um, you know, so we'll see that happening, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, processing badly picked coffee made it taste good. Anecdotal kind of like my you know experience of trying coffee from different, and I can't prove it, but I think there's something in it. <laughs> so you can't say I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something in it. I, I would love to see more processing is the next. And then the, so the other end of it is that you'd love to see the picking and sorting done better after it. But then the until you pay a differential price for quality coffee, you will never get that. There is no incentive. For a producer in Ethiopia, would you tell you to just go to one particular call and say, "Guys, if I'll pay you an extortionate amount of money to do this, this, and this," you could do that when you get that at the end. <laughs> Africa's a difficult place, and also, I mean, th these are the things that I learned that you know you need a great exporter in, in, in Ethiopia. You need a great importer in the UK or Europe, um, and you need them. You need to know both of them so you can ask lots and lots and lots and lots of questions. Because most exporters will know the provenance of the coffee. 
because when it was sold, who was selling on that day, who it was who sold to them, you know, the chats at the bar afterwards, I'm sure, must go on, and you know, so they know lots of the provenance stuff, although they're not meant to. Um, and if you ask the right questions, you can get. We 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 pretty much tied down to a wet mill that one of our Ethiopians comes from. We're 95% confident where it's from. We can't say, but it's good because we can hopefully you know, look at that again next year because the exporter know can find out that information. We can ask them to do some more with that. So, uh, so do you think Ethiopia is going to get better or worse? Worse. Oh. Without a doubt. Really? Yeah. I think it's in game. I, I, uh, I was listening to Porter Filters podcast a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and uh, Mark was saying on there about this is Zimbabwe coffee, Zimbabwe in coffee was very big, like 15, 20 years. I, I didn't know this. You know, everybody cared about it's in Broadway and coffee. And that's, why is that? Yeah, people eventually, like Ethiopia has an awful lot of goodwill. It has, there's no trade at all with Zimbabwe these days, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen Zimbabwe in coffees. I had one day three years ago. I had a real problem stocking it. Well, like morally and, 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 and kind of consciously, I had a real battle to sign it, but it cooked beautifully, so we stopped it. And it's about three, four years ago. Oh. Um, but Ethiopia has a lot of goodwill be built up. It also has a great name, and it does have some amazing coffees. Yeah. Like some really of the best coffees I've ever had. Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's got a lot of goodwill, but I think it's wearing a lot of it out for the. I don't understand what reasons. I don't understand why you need to do that. Some... Okay, so since you've gotten into coffee, who has made the most? I'm not saying who's the best, but who has made the most progress you on? What country wise? El Salvador. Really? Yeah, without a doubt. When I first started buying coffee, El Salvador and coffee was very cheap. It was good. Now, a lot of that is where they came from. So the, the, the Civil War. Mm -hmm you know, created a lot of issues, uh, but they've got great pan stock there, and they started to listen to the market. Um, I think Brazil are another one. Brazil, the, 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 the country of Brazil has the potential to do amazing coffee more than anybody else because they have more of it planted. Mm. There, there are some stunning Brazils out there, but you really have to search for them. I remember when I, was it last year, year before, before, when I went to Japan, I remember asking Kintaro about what was what country did he see was like you know a lot of potential that wasn't necessarily getting the credit deserved and he said Mexico and I remember going Mexico and he was like yeah you know parts of Guatemala Mexico are like this and you know they're on the border and the Guatemalans are great and Mexicans aren't and he said those border areas are really full of potential there and I remember going oh that's totally a great answer and then was it what three months ago those Mexicans I remember I came back from my honeymoon and to us oh have you tried the Mexicans I was like you're selling Mexican copy in my shop what are you doing like tasting it was just like wow yeah. And amazing to come on Cup of Excellence this year. So this year's going to be Mexican yeah. Cup of Excellence, which I'm really excited about. We should call it Cup of Excellence. <laughs> yeah, it was really that joke. But now I, I think you know, El Salvador borders Guatemala as well. You know, like Argentina, you can see Guatemala from Finca Argentina on, on the farm. It's that close, you know. So they are all intertwined in that really great growing area. Yeah, um, yeah. Mexican China. China. Have you, had, have you actually cooked any Chinese coffee? I bought, but I, 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 this can be embarrassing, but I, I bought, my, 
So when I first bought my roaster, my little two kilo roaster, um, I phoned up an egg an importer. Did you accidentally buy rice? <laughs> I phoned up and I said, uh, I want to buy some coffee. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. I said, here's a list. Uh, Can I have some samples? No, no, no. So I looked down this list and I looked what was on there and I thought, ooh, I've never seen coffee from China, that must be exciting. So I bought a bag of, it was called China Bosham A. I don't know what the Bosham means, I'm sure the A is just a, a grade of B. Um, I had that coffee for a long time. <laughs> a long time. I can still taste it. Yeah, it was, it was grim. I mean, it was really grim. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm right saying that like Starbucks and a lot of companies like that are investing a lot of money in. It, it, it's great. I, mean, I hear they're making 19, a lot. 1984, I think it was, that uh, the big, big four or big five decided to start planting coffee in Vietnam because the coffee prices were too high. Mm. So they wanted to bring coffee prices down and completely blew the market apart and put most coffee, market, coffee growers out of business because mm. of planting coffee in Vietnam. And now they're talking about doing it in China. Cool. Well, done, coffee well, companies. Doesn't, but China has the elevation, though, doesn't it? Whereas Vietnam is very... Yeah, it does. It, it, it doesn't. But I do hear that they are making a lot of progress, though. Now, whether, again, this is progress, it's relative. It, but it's only progress to try and drive down prices, not progress to try and make coffee better. Right. And that's the disappointing part, that you know, they're doing this again. And that was why fair trade came around. You know, that's why that whole movement started to pay farmers a fair price and all of that stuff. And it, it kind of sucks that they're trying to do it again. You know, but yeah. that's big business. Yeah. And, um, so, We've got two more things if you want to talk about them, or we can save them for next time. Or yeah, well, what do you say about the next time? Because we can talk about the original. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, actually, I think we should we should finish off. Yeah. It's probably, how long have you been? Oh, oh no idea. Oh, well, well, you've talked a lot. Maybe I'll talk a bit. So now back to me. Um, but don't let me. Let's just go straight into this one. I can't think. Of I'll edit me out if you like. Yeah, you can do that. Um, the. <coughs> Recently enough, I think um, there has been not a debate. I don't say it's a debate. Just people are starting to appreciate brewed coffee more. Hmm. Uh, and I would say it's like batch brewed coffee more. And I think the whole brewing by cup, which is great, MX360, all that kind of thing, as I think for a lot of shop owners as well, has made them realise that yes, there is a value in this. It engages people, but it's really hard to do and make money at the same time. Which although is a dirty thing to talk about, it's ultimately it's the coffee shop that loses money is not a coffee shop. It's a for sale site. Yes. Um, and like I think we we've, we've done a quite a good balance of it at three at the but I do I think we sell a lot we do sell a lot of retail bags off the back of the fact that people have built a coffee because they they like built a coffee they'll go, Oh this could be good at home. Mm-hmm. And it's achievable. Uh, yeah I mean that's the thing with you know this is where Hand brewed, I think, comes into its own. Is you can do this at home, and you can make yourself a coffee, and that's good. You know, and it's good that you kind of give people yeah. the opportunity. And that's how I got into into filter coffee. Yeah. Um, and but then my love of filter coffee has gotten to the stage where, like, I arrived here today, this morning, and Steve came perfect. Like, we came back here. He made uh, Chemex. It's awful. I made Chemex. It was awful. Uh, and we both will talk about, you know, what the was and didn't buy this and all that. And then we went down for some lunch and came back and. 
Yeah, urine downstairs. Brewed at 8 o'clock this morning, it was around about 12 o'clock. It was beautiful. It was. <laughs> it was and there's a few things that I learned from batch brewing, okay? So, just for what it's worth, it's what I learned. It's excellent. Like, it is excellent. It's very sweet. It's definitely different. Um, to the extent that I think some of the best coffees, like the nicest cup of filled coffee I've had this year came from batch brewing. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying all of them have been, but a good few of them have. Um, it definitely brings a different dynamic to it. It's repeatable. And, um, and, and it can be done by anybody. I mean, this is the thing that I think is really important. It's like we've got a hotel down in London, it's, it's and they are producing delicious coffee for, for normal diners that go into their hotel restaurants. Yes, and this is what it's about. It's yeah. like and it's about food. making nice coffee. It's not about, look at me, I'm very clever. I've got a pouring kettle and I've got a technique and I stir it at 15 seconds and then I step away and sprinkle some magic dust on it. it yes, theatre is fantastic. In a lot of coffee shops, I love that theatre, I love them doing it, but a lot of the time, I want something really tasty, and I would love to go to a restaurant and see them have a, you know, a, a, a bulk brew that they're doing well, much more than having a dirty espresso machine, or a Chemex that they're going to make really badly for me, because to get that right, yeah. as we proved this morning, is very difficult, and to repeatedly get it right, service after service is impossible. Yeah. So, I know for us it's been great, I think, um, it's taken off a lot, or it's taken off really quickly, and it's, uh, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It, well, I think it's great that you offer the choice as well, though, because some people are in a real rush because they're yeah. going somewhere, or they just want a really Those nice coffee. Those people are private business. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and to say, yeah, have a sit down, I'm just going to go and wash my Chemex out, so I'm getting paid, look, look at my home and fold, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it is wonderful, and I think, uh, it's not exactly like you've discovered something because I think people have known this for a long time. I think um, this is the beauty. For me, when I brew coffee, people say, What's your favourite brew method? And it changes. I love the fact that I can buy a bag of coffee for four quid and I can have 10, 15 different cups out of it for each one. But I love my mocha pot. It's not the tastiest coffee in the world, but I love it for what it is. Just as I think there's a time for bulk brew, like we would never drink coffee at the roast if we were roasting if it wasn't for bulk brew. Yeah. And look, the Chemex is great, but that one was good. I think that one was good. Um, you did the well on that one. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, like, and, and there's time for every single brew method. I really enjoy my AeroPress, I really enjoy my V60, my, my Kalita, my... No, the Cantans are actually really good. Cantans rock. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I was drinking those in Ethiopia. Like, yeah, I, I took a bag of those and it was just brilliant. I even made, I made a cold brew with a canter. Oh. Yeah. It, it actually wasn't bad. Really? Yeah. I've got no hot water and I really wanted some. That's how desperate I got. Oh. I was there sitting in, sitting in his box. Bring your own coffee up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had to leave it in my mug while I was there, so I got that with me. Oh. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, I, I, I really like bulk brew and I think that you know, it gets a bad rep uh, because it's not trending, it's not cool. Well, like the way I look at it is that when I go to a restaurant and I ask Smellier to recommend something, whenever I can afford to go to a restaurant that has a Smellier, but they come over and they talk with the provenance of the wine, they talk about how it tastes and what it's good with and all that, and they really make you enjoy your experience, okay? And in, to a certain extent, part of my job is, is like that, okay, where I have to talk people to coffees. Smellier doesn't grow the coffee, or grow the wine. All he does is open the bottle. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I don't respect him in his job or that his job can't be engaging. I guess the other thing is, if you go to a really interesting, like, great restaurant, do you care how they cook the food in the kitchen as long as the food's delicious? 
And I think like, like uh, my, I don't go home every day and go, oh, you should have seen the tap I did today, it was great, you know? Or, you like, do. Well, maybe I do, but, or uh, like, you know, it's like, oh, steaming milk. But, like, those aren't, like, steaming my milk and, and tamping and pulling shots aren't, aren't the most exciting part of my job. My, the most exciting part of my job is just talking, engaging with people and making them drinks and making them happy. And that's, that's the rewarding part of your job. So, if there was a button I could press that would make a lovely cappuccino, I'd probably do that, you know? There's no point in doing all of the theatre of a Chemex or a Kalita and then it tasting bad. Because mm. do you know what? You've just shown that you're really bad at making drinks to somebody. Whereas if the bulk brew means that you're going to be consistently better, which is more important, the theatre or the consistently better cook? Yeah. Uh, we, we come from the same song sheet, I mean, we're really never going to have a great debate about it, are we? Oh yes we are. No, no we're not. <laughs> no. No. So, uh, yeah. I, I, I enjoy the backwards and forwards of people talking about it. You should bring a book group to, to um, the secret thing. Oh, yeah, mm. we should do that. Mm. I'm sure we could get somebody to give us one of those mm. to do that with. Really. At the thing. At the thing, where we are. Yes. So thank you for joining us. Yes. I'm a bit worried that they're still crawling around looking at the burner. Yeah. How many fish free? They go home tomorrow. Really? I better go fix your roster. Say goodbye. Yeah. See you later.